John Gruden. <laughs> See, and people say I don't have a theme song. I do have a theme song. I just, I just use it very infrequently. This will make sense. It'll make sense why I brought the old pick and boogers with John out of the out of the uh, archive. <laughs> Later on in the show, it will make sense. But the, the, I don't know if you remember the backstory on that. The backstory on that is when I first uh, took this show, uh, and took it, you know, went went solo with it, uh, dropped uh, the partnership with Dan Benjamin. There was controversy. There's still, <laughs> you could still go to the iTunes store and see comments from people who were very angry about this in 2013 or 2012, whenever the hell it was. But uh, the second week of the show, I believe I had uh, Adam Lisagor on. Uh, uh, and we addressed the controversy and Adam, Adam, uh, said that he doesn't care what I call the show. I could call it pick and boogers with John and he would still listen. And, uh, and then Adam, uh, and his, his friend and collaborator, Alex Weinstein <laughs> made a, made a pick and boogers with John theme song. <laughs> and that was it. That's good. And so we used it for That's a couple, good. Of, couple of weeks. Uh, anyway, it'll make sense <laughs> later on in the show. How are you, Jim? I'm doing good. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, feeling good. Springtime. Weather's picking up. So you don't have that problem out there in California. You got the you, yeah. uh, you got good weather 20, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year until a mudslide comes and t- takes out your house. But, <laughs> or an earthquake. Right. Here in uh, Philadelphia, we're, we're enjoying uh, uh, finally some good weather. Really nice. Yeah. Well, you're just getting out of the deep freeze, though. Yeah, it was a it was a long winter. Really felt like it. Really, really felt like we did very few uh, nice days in March or April. Um, <laughs> lots going on. Nothing major, I guess. Have you seen this thing that's uh, picked up again today? Where uh, I believe she's the leading spokesperson on the issue is Casey Casey Johnston, who's she now uh, an editor at uh, at the Outline. But she had a, she had a piece a couple of months ago about her uh, MacBook Pro keyboard that. Got taken out by a single speck of dust. <laughs> yes, uh, and she had a follow up. She published today uh, that she more she effectively gave up. She got she got it fixed. It happened again, and she just gave up, sold it back to Apple, and has gone back to her uh, 2013 MacBook Pro, which she had never gotten rid of, uh, and now she's happier. Uh, tons of people online i don't know what to make of this issue uh i don't own one of these devices we don't have everybody in our house has a like a 2014 ish macbook pro um mm-hmm. uh and i you know i i did not encounter any problems with the keyboard when i was reviewing the new macbook pros what was that 2016 late in 2016 um yeah i you know it, it was a there, there was the issue. The initial issue with the the this current MacBook Pro keyboard design was a the feel of it because this new butterfly mechanism has less travel, you know, and it's in right. in Apple's efforts to make ever thinner devices. They've the, this this current keyboard design is physically a thinner mechanism, uh, and the noise right that there were people. Uh, I believe Joanna Stern led the way on that issue who just didn't like the sound that it made while typing. Uh, well, people aren't talking about those issues anymore. What people are talking about is the fact that keys get stuck. Apparently, you know, just, you know, you could even people who I believe, and I, I swear are, very, you know, swear up and down that they're very careful, you know, that they're not like eating a sandwich over their keyboard or whatever. <laughs> uh, 
Well, but then you laugh. But I'll tell you what, my kid, he because he, he uses his his MacBook as his TV set, you know, like so when he's watching video, it's it's YouTube on his MacBook, and he does eat around his keyboard. It's it's disgusting. Uh, but yet his keys still work perfectly. Actually, he's had a problem with his space bar, but it you know it, it even even when a key got stuck from him being a bit of a. Uh, you know, a bit crummy around the keyboard, it, it was possible to get it unstuck. Whereas people are, you know, are, are really running into problems. And I, I can't verify it. This is the thing. I, I don't, you know, it, 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 it seems though that this is uh, something that is current to this device. Like, and you never, you know, people who run into a problem are the people who are going to be vocal about it. Right. And so how many millions of these MacBooks are out there with people who don't have a problem with the keyboard? I don't know. You know, you don't hear from them. You hear from the people who have the problems. But it certainly seems anecdotally on Twitter. It certainly seems like there's an awful lot of people who have problems with this keyboard. So I've had this particular problem with the keyboard uh, twice and and that's it. So, you know, you're talking about people eating over their keyboard or or doing something over their keyboard. I can I cannot eat over my keyboard, but then, you know, things get stuck in my beard and fall on the keyboard anyway, you know, an hour later. So, you know. So I, I you know, it it doesn't matter if I eat over it or not. Right. I mean, I I remember a few years back when I when I I tweeted that a pee just fell out of my beard onto my keyboard. And, you know, I didn't remember the last time I had a pee. So, you know, it's just things get stuck in there. I I wouldn't be surprised I, to I don't find eat one Eddie Q's cars in there. I, I, try, I almost never eat at my desk. Um, uh, but even, you know, because I have, I have these keyboards for so many years, every couple of years, I, whatever, you know, my, my beloved Apple extended keyboard twos, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, clean it. I'll just clean the keycaps and, and, you know, use a little rubbing alcohol and a Q-tip and get in there and just, you know, make it look real nice. And it still amazes me once you get in there and start looking in between the gaps of the keys, how much stuff gets in there. Even when you're, uh, you know, it's not like I'm scrubbing up like a surgeon every time I sit down at my desk, but I, you know, my hands are clean and I don't eat there and still you get stuff in a keyboard. It happens, you know, that's just the way the world works. So it, it, it's just as impractical you know, it, it, being defend, you know, being able to defend against that and be reliable and work in the face of pieces of dust and crumbs, you know, really ought to be a, you know, a, a essential to any keyboard design. And I feel like we've well, reached like a, we've reached like a, a tipping point on this issue where people are, um, you know, Marco Arment has done the same thing, I believe, where he's he went and bought the um, the Apple still sells a 15 inch MacBook pro of the old design, you know, with the, uh, uh, you know, the older style USB ports and the old keyboard and stuff, you can still buy one of those brand new. Um, and so that's what Marco did. And I, I guess the ports were part of the issue, but you know, big part of it's the keyboard. Um, that's just not uh, the, a normal thing to happen. And I don't recall, I've been a Mac user since before there were portable Macs, right? I mean, I remember, right. remember the original portable Mac, <laughs> Yeah. It was called yeah. the portable Mac. Uh, it was like a 20 pound suitcase. Uh, yeah. You needed a wagon to carry it around with. You. Right. Um, but it was, I wanted one so bad. <laughs> it was, it was like impossibly expensive. Um, and then there was one that was so hot that, right. you know, one of the old black ones, I mean, it was burning up. 
Um, this 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 keyboard thing though. The the two times that this has happened to me, and one was on the new style uh, keys with the butterfly uh, on a MacBook Pro, and the key wouldn't go down. So clearly there was something stuck. Hmm. And I just I just took my finger and you know banged it down, and whatever it was got loose, and that's it. That was one time that something happened, and it happened with uh, one of the older ones. Um, it was a couple years ago it happened, and I think it was a space bar at that point. Yeah, but, but other than that, nothing has gone wrong for me. And you know, I I am I don't abuse the computers, right. but I don't baby them either. I mean, I don't think any of us really do. It can't be. It, it just can't be that every you know quote unquote everybody runs into the problem. I mean, it has to be some sort of minority of users. I mean, it. it it just seems untenable that if if every everybody's keyboard did this within weeks, um, but anecdotally, it sure seems like whatever that minority is, it's way too big a number. And I'm really I'm really curious how Apple's going to deal with this. So there's there's a fair amount of speculation just based on how long it's been since the last update that we might see new new MacBooks at WWDC. Um, and I'm really curious if they're doing something with the keyboard, you know, to 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 you know, defend against this. I'll, I'll be, well, I don't know what they'll, what they could do, but I love the new keyboard. And I, when, when the new, remember when it, it, the butterfly first came out on the MacBook, and the, the travel distance of the keys wasn't big enough. I mean, it almost felt like you yeah. weren't typing at all. And it actually took, uh, you know, a few days just to get used to typing on that thing. So, I didn't like that, but then when they came out with the uh, the MacBook Pro, I they they increased the travel of when you push a key down, how far it'll travel down, and I loved it. Yeah. That to me was the perfect thing, and I would not want to see them go back yeah. to, to anything else. I mean, the butterfly key um, works if you uh, uh, hit the corner of it or whatever. I, I just I love it. Yeah, I do love that aspect of it. When it works perfectly, I, I do. There is a, a a real premium feel to it. That that aspect that when you press any part of the key, including the corner, and the whole key moves down at the same time, is very nice. I mean, so in theory, it's it, it's a great keyboard, but in practice, obviously, there's a problem. I mean, I, I would suggest, and I mean, Apple's just not the type of company that ever really quote unquote goes back to like an old design. They're not going to go back to the old keyboard design, but you got to they've got to forge ahead and make a version of this keyboard or invent a new, an entirely new keyboard you know that has the same benefits of it uh, that that is a lot more impervious to specks of dust well there apple continually improves everything that they make so i've no doubt that they're they're looking at how to improve this but I don't think that they'll change the butterfly design. I think that the um, the design of what they've done for the keyboard fits with everything that they were trying to do. Yeah. So, you know, now it's just a matter of, okay, somehow dust gets in there. And how does that happen? So, you know, maybe they'll they'll put a little, I don't know rubber catcher or something around yeah. the keys. I, I don't know. But. 
<laughs> you know what I do want to see? The keyboard I want to see changed? Hmm. The iPad smart cover keyboard. Ah, I don't why like, is that? I don't like that at all. Because, again, these can't keys... Get a, can't the, get a crumb in that keyboard. <laughs> you can't get a crumb there. But those those keys on the iPad smart cover are small. And they have room to make them bigger. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they don't. But I would like to see bigger keys... And they wouldn't have to increase the size of the keyboard. Just make the keys bigger and make it more like the keyboard on the MacBook Pro or the MacBook. And maybe, I don't know. I I suppose I don't mind the the texture of what's on there. I just don't like the small keys. I would like to see that changed. It doesn't make any sense to me why the keys are so small on that that keyboard. Yeah, it is a little small. Uh yeah, I, I just don't like it. Does it seem like? Do, do you think that there's enough room that they could make it? They could make the keys bigger without um, uh, increasing the size of the actual iPad. Absolutely, there's a ton of room in there. That's what I don't understand. Why make those keys so small when there's already room built in there? I, I think it would just make it for a more comfortable experience to sit down. And and type on the iPad. I love using my iPad Pro. I really do. And and I know that, you know, like you, if I'm going to sit down and do work, I'm at my Mac. But when I go outside and sit down and I'm, you know, reading or researching stuff and doing a bit of writing, maybe, uh, I would love to have a, a bigger keys. I don't need a bigger keyboard. The keyboard's right. big enough. All right. But bigger keys. Yeah, well, I don't know. I worry because uh, I, I don't really like that keyboard a lot either. Uh, uh, so I've been using my iPad a lot lately with just no cover, just, you know, just use the software keyboard. Or I've been screwing around uh, thanks to that bastard Jason Snell who got me to <laughs> buy another keyboard. <laughs> I, I was a- actually reading that, uh, you know, when you posted it that, um, that he convinced you to buy this. And I, I, I asked I him. I didn't really like it. I mean, I asked him what he uses. He was, he had a post about uh, how he writes it from his kitchen just to, and I do the same thing too. I've, I do a lot more than I used to, but just uh, as somebody who works at home, just get up halfway through the day and sit somewhere else in the house. You know, don't sit right. at the same desk in the same chair for eight straight hours. Um, so I asked him how he worked, and he'd said he was using this Matthias, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, Laptop Pro, uh, which is crazy to me. I would never, ever use, uh, almost never, ever use an external keyboard with a laptop unless I had, like, permanently docked a laptop. You know, I wasn't even using it as a laptop, you know, like, if I just got, like, an iP- like a stand and kept my MacBook on my desk, almost as, like, use it as, like, a desktop. Um it just seems weird to me that they've marketed a keyboard as being for use with a laptop when laptops come with keyboards, but maybe God, you know, going back to our, to our earlier discussion, maybe that's the workaround for everybody with the stuck keys on their MacBooks is use, use another keyboard. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I bought that keyboard and was using it with the iPad and, uh, uh, did, did you like it? Uh, I like it more than I like most 
keyboards. And I definitely agree with Jason's assessment that while I would never be confused thinking it was an Apple extended keyboard too, it's the closest of any other keyboard in feel to an Apple extended keyboard two's keys that I've ever used, including several keyboards from the same company, Matthias, over the years that were advertised as being similar to the Apple Extended Keyboard 2. I was always very disappointed in, in the other keyboards, at least in terms of their Apple Extended 2 likeness, if that makes sense. This, let's see, that keyboard that you're talking about is 170 bucks. <laughs> I, when, as soon as I saw that, I said to myself... Don't buy that keyboard. And then I spent like the next hour thinking I should buy that keyboard. I should buy that keyboard. I should buy that <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> you know, and you then, should have done a send a bill to Jason. And then I got worried. I got worried because we were tweeting about it. And I got worried that other people would see the tweets about it and think the same thing. And then the place would be sold out of them. So I hurried up and bought one. And I said that. And then uh, I don't know if he was joking or not, but I said that I, I got spooked that they were going to sell out now that we linked to it. Uh, so I quick bought one. And then uh, Merlin Mann said he did, he did the same thing. Bought one in a panic, <laughs> and then I think that they actually did sell out. I think that they did sell out of them, so I actually wasn't wrong, or at least they're back. Oh I, I don't know if that's the right term. Well, Merlin probably bought all of them. Uh, yeah, the maybe. rest of the stock. Uh, uh, it was it was that company, Matthias. That didn't they have the first quickie keyboard? You well, know, not the back. first one, but they were the first one. I, I, they were one of the first ones that I can remember. They've been doing, they've been making clicky mechanical keyboards for as long as I, you know, at least since like the nineties. Um, yeah. You know, and they uh, very, uh, I think I first heard of them back in the nineties on tidbits. You know, I don't know if it was Adam Angst himself or somebody else who wrote for tidbits at the time, but somebody who like me was a fan of the Apple extended keyboard too. Um, you know, first brought my attention to their, their clicky keyboards. But the problem is it's like, there's so many, and Jason's got more keyboards than I do, but there's so many, and, and it's kind of a cool thing because it's like, it's like the, the industry all, you know, like in the eighties, all the keyboards were clicky and then right. they, they stopped making clicky keyboards and, and people who liked them, you know, would go to great lengths. Like the PC people would, uh, you know, the, their version of the Apple Extended Keyboard 2 is the IBM Model M, I think it's called. I forget. I've never been a fan of it, but it's really clicky. It's it's the one with a buckling spring, and it, it it's like if you've ever used a PC, like, in the 80s, you know exactly what, what this key it, it is loud. It sounds like like a gun going on or something. Can you imagine a whole room of those? I know. It's, a, it's kind of hard to imagine. Like, my the keyboard I like, the Apple Extended Keyboard 2, certainly is louder than like a, a current, you know, Apple professional keyboard, whatever they call it. Um, but it's not loud. Whereas the, the IBM one was loud. Um, but it's kind of cool. Like the, the, there's, there's so many companies now making mechanical keyboards and you have so much choice in terms of the switches that you can get. It's, uh, it's crazy. Every once in a while, I get off on keyboards here. I should should wait till Jason's on the show because you don't care. <laughs> well, I, I I'm I'm a fan of the latest keyboards. I really am. Uh, I did, am. did you I, buy I used one to have of the, a quickie keyboard? Did you buy one of the space black ones? Now that they sell them separately, 
No. Did you see that? The, no, that Apple I, is now selling know. those separately, the Space Black, uh, the things that come yeah. with the iMac Pro, the keyboard, the mouse, and the trackpad in Space Black. Um, and they cost 20 bucks more than the regular silver versions, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it when Apple charges more for the same thing in a different color. And it's always for the black. Remember when they had the black, uh, Mac books, uh, and they, they cost like $200 more than the white ones. Well, they were black, right? (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Of course they're. Of course they are. Uh. <laughs> I, do, do you, I have a question for you. Yes. Here. Do you uh, listen to any of the shows on Beats 1? No, not really. All right. All right. So I'm a, uh, I've always been a big fan of talk radio. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen to talk radio or not. I used to, I when, mean, I used to when I used to have a commute. I mean, it's, you know, that, that's been a long time though. In Canada, um, I would listen to CBC, which I guess is like NPR down here. But I've never really gotten into Beats One. Hmm. And I just started listening today to uh, Lars Yolwerk's, uh, uh Beats One show. And it's, it's it, it kind of mixes talk radio. With, he was interviewing Jack White about his new album, which is weird as hell. Um so I was listening to that, and it, it made me think of uh, of talk radio, and you know that that's the kind of show that I think I might enjoy on on Beats One. So I just kind of had it on in the background when I was when I was sitting there working um, when it, when the jackhammer stopped. Yeah. I have construction outside <laughs> my house. The jackhammer start like seven o'clock in the morning and jolt you right out of bed. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I just thought that was uh, I, I haven't I haven't gotten into any show on Beats One, but I listened to that one today and thought it was really good. So. How does that work? Does that is that live? Right. I, I, this is how little I know about it. <laughs> so it, it, it like it, when you tune into it, is it you, do you get to decide when to start it or, or is it like whatever they're talking about right now is what you listen to? So there's all kinds of different shows on Beats One, um, you know, and they're they're about an hour long each. So if you go in and just press the Beats One button, it'll play whatever's live right now. Hmm. But you can go back and listen to shows on demand. So that's what I did. I went to Lars's show and listened to uh, the Jack White interview that was done. Hmm. I don't know a few weeks ago. Yeah. So yeah, so you, you can listen back. to them on demand. Yeah. So you can go back and listen to all of them. Well, uh, while so, we're talking about this, let me take a break here. And it's a perfect segue. Thank our first sponsor. Uh, and it is Vox's new podcast. It's a daily podcast from Vox, V-O-X. Uh, and it's called Today Explained. Every weekday afternoon, Vox's host, Sean Ramosfirm, uh, takes you on a deep dive into the most important story of the day. By the time you get home, you'll not only understand the biggest events happening in the world, but you'll be able to explain them to your family and friends. It's like a deep dive on something in the news every day, every afternoon, a new episode. Uh, here's some examples of some of the recent episodes uh, from the show. The algorithms that are changing the porn industry. Mark Zuckerberg's response to uh, the Cambridge Analytica scandal. The Mueller investigation ravaging through U.S. politics, 
uh, guns, the teacher strike in West Virginia. That's a real interesting thing going on in the U.S., these teacher strikes that are really picking up. Uh, the war in Syria. Uh, uh, here's one. This might perk, perk your ears, Jim. Uh, here's, they have an episode where they used ACDC to explain gerrymandering. <laughs> I, nice. I actually have got it. That's got me. I have to look that episode up. Yeah, I've got, I have to I've got to find that episode uh, and more, all sorts of stuff. So politics, current events, uh, ACDC, uh, it's a great show every afternoon. And you can get it anywhere you get your podcasts. You get them from Apple's podcasts on iTunes. You get them on Stitcher, uh, Overcast. I'll put links in the show notes uh, with the all the various uh, places where you can subscribe to uh, Vox's Today Explained. It's really great, and it's really, really easy to uh, subscribe, and I recommend you do. Uh, so anyway, before we wrap up, let's, let's, I don't know that we tied a bow on this MacBook keyboard issue. Yeah, uh, sorry, I interrupted. No, with, that's uh, all right. Talk no, radio. I'm always interrupting. I don't know. I, I really uh, – and, and I don't think it's the sort of thing that Apple is going to talk about. It's not like uh, Phil Schiller is going to get up there on stage at WWDC and say, you know, pieces of dust were getting stuck in a keyboard and we fixed it, right? They're just – like they might talk – if they, if they do make improvements to the keyboard, they can say – you know, they'll say it's better and more reliable than ever or something like that. Um but I, it's yeah, curious. But Somebody on Twitter asked me today, like, let's say Apple does fix this. Let's say they come out with a, a new MacBooks and MacBook Pros at WWDC. And however they fix it, you know, they, they've got keyboards now that are that don't get stuck. Um, how do they get word out about that if they're not going to? Because if they don't talk about it, how does word get out about it? Well, I think that if they did do that, they would... Uh, not mention it in the keynote, but maybe in the briefings that we right. have afterwards, Off the record, they might say, right. so you're not hey, quoting them uh, saying it. Right. Right. You, they might say, you know, Hey John, just so yeah. you know, we put, you know, rubber, uh, barrier around there. So yeah. now the keyboards won't get stuck, but they still work the same, yeah. you know, and then you can put that in your, your uh, notes and, yeah. and that's how they'll get the word out. But otherwise, I mean, if you think between the, uh, uh, the keyboard for the MacBook and the keyboard for the MacBook pro, they never said anything. Right. Right. But we noticed that, you know, the, the travel distance was a lot longer. So we knew that they made some adjustments. And when I questioned them on it, they did tell me and gave me some specs on that, that I, I wrote about, uh, about how much they increase the travel distance and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's how they got the word out about that. But I don't think that they'll mention it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so either. But I, I really feel like they got it. They've, I don't know. I, I feel lucky that I've got this, you know, I got my MacBook Pro that I'm still very happy with um, right before this changeover because that would, it would, drive me nuts if I had that problem. And I said before, a couple episodes ago, I was talking about this with somebody else. Uh, to my memory, on every MacBook, going back to, to PowerBooks, you know, whatever iBook I, I had for a couple of years, every lap, Apple laptop I've ever had, I don't think I've ever once had a problem with the keys getting stuck. And I guess it's not fair to look at it historically because the older ones from 10, 15 years ago were so much thicker and had so much more travel that it's, 
it, it's really like comparing apples and oranges. But even on the recent, but wouldn't you think those ones would get more things stuck in them? I don't, I guess, but somehow it never was a problem for me. I, I've never had it. it. Would drive me crazy if I did felt like you know every couple of days my end key gets stuck. And I, 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 I don't know if it has if it. I don't know if there's any correlation, like are certain keys more likely to be stuck than others because of their location on the keyboard or how often you type them. I, I don't know, but I saw some, and somebody else had the problem. Uh, and it seems fairly common too, with the, these MacBooks where um, they type, let's just say the letter B and like one out of 10 times when they try to type one letter B, they get two B's in, in their text. That would drive me crazy. That would just, yeah, that it, would. See, that doesn't happen to me. I mean, I'm on the thing all day long. I'm outside with it. I'm inside. I'm, you know, things fall out of my beard on it. I, none of this stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, I tried a different keyboard recently. Uh, I have a real problem here, Jim. I bought this uh, Microsoft folding keyboard. It, it's a portable keyboard, Bluetooth, and it folds up into it's the tiniest little package. Uh, and it folds in half, like in between like the T and Y and the G and H and the B and N okay. keys. Uh, and so there's a little gap between the two sides. Uh, and I, it, it's really nice. And Microsoft makes good keyboard. They've always made good keyboards and mice, right? They've, they've bizarrely, you know, for as, as much as I gripe about their software design, uh, their peripherals have always been very good and has good key travels feels, you know, like a laptop keyboard. Um, but I can't use it because the way that it's split on the two sides here, I'll send you a, uh, I'll send you a picture here. You can take a look. Um, the way it's split, the Y is on the right side. And I didn't even realize this. I've never been a fan of split keyboards, but I've never really tried using one. But it turns out that I've got 30 years of habit using my left index finger to type the letter Y, oh, which I guess look. is it. And now that I look at the keyboard, I have no idea how I de developed this habit because Y is clearly closer to my right index finger than to my left. But I type with my left <laughs> and <laughs> At, there is zero percent chance. Like I, I tried using this keyboard to do like email for like an hour, and every single time that I tried to type a Y, and I wasn't actively thinking about this keyboard, I'd I'd use my left finger. It would go up next to the T, and there's no Y there. Um, and every single time it drove me nuts. And it just made me think that it's sort of like this must be what it's like for these people with the MacBook keyboard, where it you know some of their keys are unreliable. It's incredibly distracting. Like if you're used to being able to just not give any thought at all to your keyboard and just concentrate on what you're writing, it's, it is incredibly distracting. It, it's, that's, that's a pretty big gap. It is a pretty big gap. And the other thing too, see, and if you look at that, I'll put this link, I promise to put it in the show notes folks, but if you look what they did to, to not have jagged, sides between them is they made like the T key double width and the yep. N key is double width just so that it, you know, makes a nice border, 
What I wish that they would do if I were designing a, 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 a split keyboard is I would put two Y's on the keyboard, one on each side, and I would do the same thing with the B. <laughs> but only you would need that. <laughs> well, I think that there's probably <laughs> other. I'll bet there's a lot of people out there who have weird typing habits. I'll bet. Well, I'm sure. But I, I, in order to incorporate all those weird typing habits, a keyboard would uh, would look like Homer Simpson's car or something. No, I just want two Y keys and two B keys. And it, I think that these double width uh, T and N, N keys look goofy anyway. They do look goofy. But uh, I, why is the space so big? Do they need that to really fold it? Yeah, I, I, I don't see how you could. And it does. It folds up really nicely. I mean, it's it this it, if I could use it, it was a, a longtime reader at the site recommended it to me. And what he does a lot of the time is um, uh, he'll just take like his his iPhone and a little stand, little portable stand that that folds up and this keyboard and go to a coffee shop and just sort of go through, you know, email with just using his iPhone and his keyboard. Uh, huh. And it really folds up into, you know, just a tiniest little package with, with a phone. It's really small. Well, this one's only a hundred dollars. So you're getting cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have pictures of it folded? Oh, uh, there's, I saw them somewhere. Oh yeah. Scroll you down, can... scroll down a little bit. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it folds up really, really small. Uh, huh. I have a problem, Jim. <laughs> I, you know, I'm gonna do an intervention for you. Uh, I don't know why it reminded me of this, but I'm thinking about how I developed my bad, mostly bad, touch typing abilities. Uh, I'm, I can't believe that I've touched type Y with the wrong finger. And it's really driving me crazy. I learned to type in oh. seventh grade. We we had to take a typing course in seventh grade, and it was using manual typewriters, like not you know no electronics at all, just like the old click clack manual typewriters, which in hindsight is crazy. And they were um, special it's type instructional typewriters that didn't have printed keycaps. So all the keys were blank because that, you know, it was that way you couldn't cheat by like looking down. You were supposed to learn to memorize it. Uh, and I did terribly in this course. I mean, like, and most of my friends did too. And I was really in seventh, when I was in seventh grade, I was still rather um, scrawny. I was real short and always and very skinny. I, I didn't have the strength in my pinky fingers to to type the, to get the keys to go down far enough to actually print a letter. So like every right. time I tried to type like an A or a Q or a Z, uh, it, it would just look like a space, you know, because it would like go down far enough that the typewriter would move one character ahead, but I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't strike the key hard enough to actually make the A appear. Yeah. I can't help but feel that that was actually that, that having, you know, learn to type like that, uh, like was worse for my typing habits because typing on a modern keyboard is nothing at all like typing on a manual keyboard. Uh, you know what? I'm sitting here a typing. Sorry typewriter. to interrupt. I'm I'm sitting here typing uh, different words on my keyboard, and half the time I'm using my left hand to type the yeah. Y. And half See? the time I'm using. So if I type the word many, I'm just th sitting there trying to think of words with a Y. If I type many. I use my left hand to hit the Y key. I think I do but that if I too. Type, but if I type t oh, timely, I use the right. 
Weary. Now, Weary, I use, I'm just, I'm. It'll make you nuts. I use Jim, my right is, hand. Jim, this is how I spent my weekend. Oh, <laughs> thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, John. So this is why you wanted me on the show. So I now know. I'm going to be tortured for the rest of the week. And once you start figuring out words with why, once you start thinking about your typing, it, it'll drive you nuts. Uh, I've, here's no. the, here's the word that I type. I know for a fact, I type it with my left finger to type the Y, like the word you, Y O U because yeah, other, otherwise you have to type the whole thing with your right hand and it feels very inefficient. It feels, so you know, try and try and type many, the word many. Yeah. No, I use I, my right hand for that one. Yeah. I, oh, I use my left hand. See, huh. so you can't, you can't, uh, have this keyboard the yep. way that you want it because then. I'd be typing like three Y's in one right. word. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, great. Now, this is going to drive me nuts. I'm going to be thinking every word with a Y so that I can see if I type with my left or my right. I, I didn't know that I did that. Yeah. Clearly, what you need to do, to the only way that this could possibly be done properly would be to, like, set up a camera to videotape you and wait until you haven't, you know, do some you know, write some posts or to go through some email and wait until you realize, Hey, I haven't thought about my typing for the last 10 minutes and then go back and watch the videotape and see, see what you actually do. Because when you're thinking about it, you're never going to do it the way you would when you're not thinking about it. Right. No, you're right. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep thinking of words. <laughs> um, all right. Now Eric. I'm going to have a problem too. We got to move on. We got to move. We can't. We're going to. We're going to right. kill people. We, you know, people are. Next thing you know, we'll be talking baseball. Um, here's one. It also came up on Twitter today. Um, but I've been thinking about it on and off for weeks now. Is where the where the hell is Air Power? Right. Yeah. So Apple announced it at the iPhone event in early September last year, and they said it wouldn't. I believe they said it won't be till next year. Not like later, but like specifically, even in September, they said, you know, next year. And now on Twitter, right. some people have found some like small print in like their ads, like the little, you know, little tiny small print at the bottom where they even use the phrase, quote unquote, early 2018. But, you know, everybody knows in marketing terms, that means <laughs> till June 30th. <laughs> and exactly. You could, and you could still say, well, it was the first half of the year. Um, but it, it this and it's this. You know, like uh, they've had late products before, right? Like the AirPods didn't really ship in volume until very close to Christmas last year. Yeah. Right. Those are very late. Yeah. um, And, you know, obviously, you know, in the same way that in 2016, when they first shipped iPhones that no longer had the analog headphone jack, uh, you know, they, they do ship lightning headphones with them, but clearly the message was we think AirPods and, you know, the W1 chip and wireless is the future of, of headphones. And they were meant to ship together and they didn't, but it wasn't that late. Right. I mean, it was, you know, in a perfect world, I'm sure they would have been shipping in volume when the iPhone seven came out, um, two months late though, understandable. And, you know, two or three months late for a product that's as well received as AirPods are in hindsight, doesn't really seem like that big of a deal. Um, whereas air power is now like something like two, it's like 220 days ago. Like it's already more than half a year since it was announced. Uh, and, and the same way that the AirPods went hand in hand marketing wise with n- dropping the headphone jack, I think that air power goes hand in hand with 
this year's iPhones being the first ones that charge wirelessly, you know, right. And, and you can do it. I have a couple of them. I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, with these Qi chargers from Mophie and, and, uh, you know, you know, hundreds of companies, you know, you can't shake a stick in a cell phone store and not hit uh, some of these wireless chargers. Um, but uh, clearly Apple, you know, uh, meant for you, you know, has something better in mind so that, you know, people who are all in on the Apple lifestyle can have this one pad that charges both their phone and their watch, which and the AirPods. Yeah. And the AirPods, right. With the case that still isn't out yet either. Right. And that's the other, that is a curious thing too, because the, the AirPods charging with this was going to require a new case you know, it looks looks pretty much the same, but there's it's like the charging indicators on the outside, I think, right? Um, instead of have to, having to open the lid to see the charging indicator. Uh, and when they announced that, I asked if they would be selling that case separately so that people who already own AirPods with the old case, can you get the new case for obviously less than the price of an entire $159 pair of AirPods that you don't need because your two AirPods still work perfectly. And the answer was, alas, uh, that they didn't know yet. You know, they're aware of it. They're thinking about it, but they, you know, had nothing to say at the time. Um, but I, I suspect the answer would be yes. Um, I, but, I would hope. But they're still not selling note that, that if you go into the Apple store today and buy AirPods, you still get the old case. Which yeah. seems a little weird to me. You would think that they would, you know, even if AirPower isn't shipping yet, they they would have switched over to the new case that was AirPower ready beforehand. Yeah, but then you'd be able to use them with uh, the other Qi chargers, and they probably don't want that right now. Yeah, I don't know if you they will, wanna... though. I don't think you will. Like, Apple Watch doesn't charge with a Qi charger. You know, like, AirPower is Qi plus Apple secret sauce, you know. Uh, <laughs> as is everything right it's you know cheap plus i i i think that they'll want to release all of this stuff at once yeah you know that's i mean it's different that they they had the uh wireless charging for the phones yeah but the, I, I think that they kind of needed that. Yeah. I heard last Don't year from somebody, like a little birdie at Apple who knew about it, that, that was, it, it was known to be a troubled project. Even, um, I guess that what I heard wasn't before the event, it was after. But, you know, with the delay, somebody said, yeah, that was, you know, that's been a real problem. Like it was obviously meant to ship in September. And it's not even close. Like it's so not only did they fail to ship alongside the iPhones, they're two hundred and some days later. Will you get an air power? Uh I don't know. I guess. because uh, I, I think do I have I have an Apple Watch and I wear it. I don't wear it every day, but I wear it enough. Uh and it, you know, it certainly seems like it would be great for just keeping in my backpack as my travel charger you know and then it's just one thing to plug in and i could charge both my apple watch and iphone while traveling and airpods you know all three you know being able to charge all three while traveling would be great like i don't yeah. really have a huge need for the all-in-one now you know well it's it, don't forget that 
air power is going to be a quicker charge than the ones that are on the market right now too. Yeah. I don't know about that though. Is it, I thought it was like the 7.5 watt ones and that it was quicker than I, I could be wrong. I thought that the story was that in September when the iPhones first shipped, iOS was limiting them to like drawing five watts of power. Five, yeah. And but that a software update, it was like eleven point one or something, enabled the seven point five watt charging. Oh, okay, maybe. And I don't think AirPower will do much more than that, if anything. I don't. I don't have a problem with the speed of the ones now, though. I mean, it's it's. it's, I do. Well, I mean, I guess I wish it was as fast as lightning, but I, you know, for me, it's an overnight thing, so I never really notice. Well, I suppose, but a lot of times. I use my, um, I have one of the big chargers. So, you know, I plug it in and it's just zooming right up there right. with, with the charge. But a lot of that is, you know, you're using your phone all day and, you know, for some reason, uh, you're using it more than, than normal and it goes down. You have to run to a meeting and you hit, yeah. you know, 30%. I want to be able to plug it in like with 30 minutes before I have to go and be, be done with it. You know, have it, have it charged up. So I use one of those big chargers, and that's what it does. So, yeah. I, it's just very curious to me that this thing is hasn't shipped yet. I, I really, you know, just just seems very unusual, and it just doesn't seem. And again, I, I hate. I, I I know the engineers. Every engineer I've ever worked with hates when somebody says, you know, like any programmer or engineer, and you give them a feature request and say this should be easy. <laughs> Right. Nobody wants to be told yeah. what's what's easy and what's difficult. And and I'm sure and with anything charging related, there's so many safety things. Right. Like, you you know, yeah, all of these things, you know, uh, you know, you don't you know, you, they've got to be 100 percent reliable. They cannot catch fire or get too hot. And there's all sorts, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure it's not easy. But in the grand well, scheme of Apple products, <laughs> it seems like it, it seems like it's not the most difficult product to make. Well, and they they give those uh, uh, those engineers at Apple these types of problems all the time. Now, with the with the current chargers that are out the the Qi chargers, you basically have to put your phone right in the middle yes. in order to make it work properly. I mean, yeah. we've all been through that that thing where you know where if it's not placed properly, then you know you have a problem. How, what do you think they're doing with Air Power? Because it's um, you know, more oval shaped. Yeah, and it's and bigger. They have, they, it's, it's bigger yeah, suite. it's bigger. It, but but they show three products on AirPower at once. It's seemingly as you know, and I did get to look at it in the hands-on area uh, back in September. It just mm-hmm. clearly has a bigger sweet spot. You know, there's a bigger surface area, and I don't know why the third-party Qi ones tend to have such a small surface area. I, I don't so, know. Is AirPower giving 7.5 to each device, or is it 7.5 split? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Right. Does the charging speed get affected if you have multiple devices on at once? I would guess right. no. I, I, I would think no, but I, I, I don't know. I, I was... Yeah. That, I mean, what's the max charge power? <laughs> I did terribly in my electrical engineering course in freshman year. <laughs> really, really bad. I had to sw- had to switch majors. Really, <laughs> jeez. So I don't know. You might be asking the wrong person. I don't know. I, I just find it very, very curious. Uh, yeah, I don't. I 
Uh, well, it, it, you know they what? Could part do, of it, they, I think part of it too is that Apple has started shipping more products late or, and or pre-announced than they used to traditionally. Oh yeah, yeah right. I and, agree. And that I feel like we've sort of gotten a little numb to it. Right? It's it's no longer as surprising as when they first started doing that. Um, and so, like, you know, oh, of course, AirPods are a couple months late, right? It, that wasn't shocking, right? And they, you know, they kind of set the stage for that at the time. Because if, if you recall, they did give us review units of AirPods in yes. September. But they were very, very adamant that they were prototypes. And yeah. when the production one started shipping, they wanted, <laughs> they wanted those prototypes back that day. <laughs> Like yes. three months later, uh, yeah. they were like, here's a, you know, here's a FedEx thing. We, we expect this tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah. I do remember too. I remember, I think it was even overnight and, and they never take, you know, they, you know, the, the, it was when demanding you, when you, yes. when you send back review products from Apple, they are very chill. They're very laid back about them. And they do supply you with uh, like FedEx labels so that, you know, it's all postage paid, but it's not yep. typically next day because they don't care. They don't care if it takes a week, right? They're, you know, just right. send, send back this, you know, iPad eventually and you send it back and, you know, it takes a week to get there, whatever. But they they wanted those AirPods the prototypes. And even though yeah. I couldn't see one damn thing that was different Me between neither. them. Uh, uh, Me neither. And you know those prototypes uh, worked so well for me. Yeah, I have no idea. They really you know, did. Yeah, I don't know what. And but so do the new ones. Yeah, or or, or you know the shipping version. The shipping versions worked well too. I, that's one of my favorite Apple products. I have oh, them with, in my pocket all the time. Yeah. Oh, same here. Without question, I'm always shocked when they're not in my pocket. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. Well, where are they? Uh, Right. I used to put a little sticker on mine to tell them apart from Amy so we'd never get them confused. And then the sticker would sometimes, you know, fall off over time, uh, you know, because I didn't want to put like a super sticky, sticky sticker there. Uh, and then I realized there's no need for it. Like I just were 99 percent of the time. There's no confusion over whose AirPods are whose because they're always in my pocket. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where they're going to stay. I, yeah. I use them. Pretty much every day. I do. And I, I love them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great product. Um, I guess it would be better to have it on a charging mat. I guess if I, I would, if air power works, well, we don't even know what it's going to cost. And it's probably, <laughs> probably going to be surprisingly expensive compared to these Qi chargers. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I would like to put one on my desk, though, now that I think about it. I do have a little... Especially chi charger on my desk uh an anchor one but it's nice it, it's like a stand it like it almost like props the iphone up and i can use it to like see alerts and stuff like that it's nice to just have these things laying about and in and, and a way that lightning cables always felt like you know like if let's say your phone is at like 85 percent, mostly full uh I'm not going to plug it into a lightning cable if I'm going to be at my desk for half an hour. You know, I'll just keep it in right. my pocket. But I, but I will use a Qi charger that way. I'll just take it out and just why not just let the phone sit on it while I'm working. You know, the, the interesting thing about that is, and I, I talked to them about this because before you were supposed to let your battery run all the way down. You know, weren't supposed to yeah. 
keep yeah. plug, plugging it in because that would uh, ruin the battery. And I asked them if that wasn't a problem anymore. And they just reiterated that you could use the the charger whenever you wanted. Yeah, I asked about and that it, too. And, um, and they were adamant about it. I guess that's a pretty good question. I get asked that on Twitter a lot too. Is Is it a bad idea to, you know, to keep your phone, you know, if you have like a Qi charger at your desk at work and stuff like that, and you have one in your car, you know, you get in your car in the morning and drive to work and your phone goes from, you know, it's already at 98. Now it's back up to a hundred. You get to work, you put it on your desk at work and it's, you know, never drops below the nineties or something like that. Is that bad for the phone? And I was told definitely no, you know, that you, you yeah. just use it whenever you want. If you want to run it down till it's in the red and then charge it back up, and if you keep it, you know, above 80% all day, the phone manages all of that. Like the phone won't let itself, the iPhone is programmed. I guess it's a mix of hardware and software, but it's by design will never do anything that would harm the battery life adverse, you know, more than the, the, the way that it can't help but degrade over time. Well, and you remember those days though, when, when they said, oh, don't, don't keep plugging it in. If yeah. it's at, you know, 90%, let it go down to yeah. almost empty and then plug it in. <clears throat> well, and that's how we, we lived with this stuff for, for years. I had a power book and it's not even that long ago. It was, it, it was probably around 2006 or so. And, uh, I, <laughs> it's funny cause I, I say I would never do it now, but, uh, uh, at the time I was using it as a desktop only device. Uh, um, and, uh, I, it was literally, I never unplugged it. Like I had external hard drives and stuff like that. And I, I, I had a, like an old iBook that I used when I actually wanted to travel with a, a laptop. Um, and what wound up happening to that power book is the battery, cause it never used the battery. It was at hundred percent for months at a time. And then the battery, I got like a warning one day, like, Hey, your battery's, you know, the battery's dead. And it was like, what? And it was like, the battery wouldn't hold a charge at all. And, there, you know, lo and behold, there was like a tech note that, hey, you're, you know, you're supposed to let the battery run down every couple of weeks just, just to keep it healthy. And I, I hadn't. And then the battery was like wrecked. Yeah. And it, it appears that doesn't happen anymore. I wonder if it still does if you keep it plugged in. Yeah. But that was, a, that was a machine where I could buy a new battery. Remember when they, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> boy, boy, that it feels, it feels like we're, we're, far into the future now that it seems old fashioned that you could pop the battery out of your laptop. <laughs> I know, but to be honest, uh, the battery in today's, uh, MacBook pros or MacBooks would last longer than, you know, a couple of batteries from, from back oh, then. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's, there's no <laughs> comparison. Yeah. Back in that era, it was tough to get, you know, even four and a half hours on a flight. Yeah. With reasonable, you know, a reasonable screen brightness. Well, I, I, I remember packing, you know, a backpack to go on a, a trip or go to an Apple event or fly out to Macworld or whatever. And, you know, have a couple of spare batteries, have, you know, and then the 15-pound computer. And you, you had an old backpack full of equipment just to to go on a trip now you can just go with you know a power cord and and a macbook yep. or an ipad 
Hey, let me use something while we're talking about batteries. And I wanted, I, I didn't put it in the notes, but I wanted to ask you. I, I've been wearing my Apple Watch more than I had been for a while recently. You know, I switch around between different watches. Um, and I just realized with the, the Series 3 Apple Watch, uh, which has much better battery life than before, I run out of battery on my, on, or, or get the warning on my Apple Watch more than I used to. Because huh. I can I can go days without charging it, like oh, yeah. I'll go to sleep wearing it. instead of charging it religiously as I go to bed, I'll just wear it in bed. It's a it's a because it's my favorite watch to wear while I sleep because I can see it in the dark. Um, it's you know if I wake up in the middle of the night and want to know what time it is, um, and but therefore I I now that I've broken the habit of every night I have to charge the Apple Watch or it won't make it through the next day. Uh, now I actually end up running out of battery more often because I can go like three days. Like I'm pretty sure I'm on my third day right now and I've still got 42% battery life. That's pretty good. Have you seen See, anything I have, like that? I have one of these, uh, chargers, um, it, you know, that's, uh, it sits down and the middle pops through, mm-hmm. you know, the Apple watch yeah. charger and the middle pops up yeah. and I have that facing uh, on my nightstand. Yeah. So every night, the last thing I do is put my Apple watch on that. when yeah. I go to bed yeah. and when so I wake still up have in the morning, the da- I you still have the daily charging habit. I still have that habit. And right. that's, that's all it is right now. Now, if there's a situation, um, you know, I have gone away for the weekend and forgotten the charger and the Apple watch has lasted the entire yeah. weekend. Have you, that, that's not a big, what's deal. your battery life at right now on the watch? Damn good question. Just flick up. I did. I did flick up. Eighty-one percent. See that eighty-one percent. That's and it, we're recording here at uh, two thirty Pacific time. It's yep. it's it's really kind of remarkable how quickly battery life has gotten better on Apple Watch with the device only getting like it's like one tenth of a millimeter thicker or something like that since the original. Um, yep. Like you know, we're sitting here talking about power books from 10 years ago having dramatically different battery life but the apple watch it's just in the course of like two and a half years it was crazy how much better the battery got well and to be clear i use my apple watch a lot throughout the day um whenever i use navigation and i use navigation even when i don't need to use navigation because i test out different apps yeah so i'll use Google and Waze and and Apple, mostly those three, just to see what they do. So my watch, when I use Apple Watch, it's, you know, um, doing the haptics to tell me to turn and stuff like that. Um, I talk to it. I ask it, you know, hockey scores and things like that. Um, And it's I I have news coming up on it all the time. Mm -hmm. So my watch is being used. Yeah. And still I can go you know, two or three days on a single charge. Do you, do you have a uh, cellular? Yes. Do you, how often do you find yourself using that? Uh, almost never. Yeah. Same here. I have it. I pay for it. Uh, I think it's just 10 bucks a month, but who knows? Verizon's probably screwing, yeah, something screwing like me that. somehow. Um, <laughs> well, they give you like a courtesy charge. You know what I mean? And they always, they always give it a name like that, like a cur- courtesy charge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't even know what that is. Uh, it's, well, it's, you know, it's just the, you know, they just have the courtesy to charge you an extra dollar, dollar a month just yeah. as a F you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Like I have to have so much more respect for them if they would just charge it like a fuck you fee. You know what I mean? Like I was, That's I told a story a couple of weeks ago about buying movie tickets with my son and I noticed that in a Fandango app, like, it, I don't know, let's just say like $11 a seat. And the, it came to, you know, $22 for two seats plus tax. And uh, I believe they Fandango called it a courtesy fee. <laughs> <laughs> I would have so much more respect for them if they just wow. said, screw you fee because we can't, because we can fee. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, the, the, we know you're going to pay it anyway. Fee. <laughs> um, and, and there you go, John pay it. I do wonder about that. I, I have the, uh, I also think about the, um, uh, with the Apple watch charger with the, the air power thing. Um, before we move on to another topic, uh, sometimes I wear the link bracelet and with the link bracelet, you, you'd have to kind of like take it apart to get it on that charger. Like I need the, the, the pop-up charger that you're talking about where you can put the watch on its side to, to charge right. it with the, with the link bracelet. Yep. And it, it does act as uh, you know, if you put it in, what's that mode called where at night, if you tap it, alarm it'll, clock mode or something, yeah, alarm clock mode or what? Yeah, uh, and I've used that especially when I've been on trips uh, because I also wake up and want to know what time it is. So I'll just reach over and just right. tap the watch, and it comes up and shows me the time, and you know that's it's all good. But that that charger stand uh, that Apple sells for the Apple Watch. Best thing I've had for the Apple Watch. Oh, I love it too. It's one. It's That's wonderful. why I'm a little. It, why I'm a little iffy on whether I really even need air power, or if I do, I, I like I said, maybe I'd only take it as a traveling thing because I like that. I, I have that Apple charger, and I like it, and it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really bother me or inconvenience me or clutter up my bedroom to have both that and a Qi charger. Right, and you know, I'll still get an air power. Uh, because if I can, I maybe once a week I'll, I'll charge up my, uh, my AirPods, uh, through, you know, um, lightning, yeah. but to have that and the phone just walk in and put them down and they're charging. Yeah, I'll get that. I guess I will too. Who are we kidding? Says me, the guy who just blew $270 on Bluetooth keyboards that he doesn't need that he doesn't need. Yeah. yeah, I guess I'll buy an air power. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say this while we're, we're skipping around on all three of these products, but I'll say this uh, also with the AirPods. Uh, I am still on my original AirPods from December of, I guess that was 2016. Uh, so am I. I still, I never, ever run out of battery life on these things. I have no. never want. I, I I only even heard the the noise one time. There's like a little noise it plays when it's like a warning, and I didn't know what it was because I'd had them for so long. And and or maybe I heard it while I was testing them. You know, like as they were new, I like purposefully didn't charge them. Uh, I never run out of battery. And what happens is, I I think, hey, I haven't charged these things, and I don't even remember when I last charged it. I bet that they're like almost out of battery. And then I'll hold it up to my phone and it'll still be at like the case is at 40% and the buds are fully charged. And I think, well, I'll quick plug it in, I guess, you know, every, every once a week, maybe I plug the thing into a lightning cable for a couple of minutes, but it's, it is the, it, it, it is the best battery life for any product I've ever had in my life. So here's a, a, a little story for you. I went to, 
Um, it was about a four, four and a half hour flight a couple months ago. And I got to the airport and I had my iPad and I downloaded a whole bunch of shows from um, Netflix to watch. And I got there early and started watching Netflix. I had my AirPods in, started watching Netflix uh, at the gate and got on the plane. And I heard that sound that they make when they're running out of battery, you know, a few hours in. And sure enough, they were they were both dead. I plugged them. I dropped them in the case. Um, Fifteen minutes later, they were fully charged. <laughs> it's amazing. Back right? out and and kept watching the show. So yeah. I had a fifteen minute break of watching shows, and that fully charged my AirPods. Yeah, that is it's absolutely stunning. But they I, they still lasted like four hours. Yeah, for anything that I'm concerned about losing keys, sunglasses. You know, obviously AirPods add to the mix. I tend to, uh, I have terrible memory for stuff like that. Like, so I, I can't just like put my sunglasses anywhere and then expect to remember where they are. So I just, you know, the way I've managed it my whole life is I'll just have certain rules. Like you only ever put your sunglasses X, Y, and Z. Like there's a spot where they live. They're either in, in that spot in my office, actually, where, where they live. Um, they're in a coat pocket or they are in uh, the car and that's it. Or they're on my face. Right. Uh, yeah. And I do the same thing with my keys. And, and if, if my keys aren't at the spot where I keep my keys, I'm screwed. Cause <laughs> if, they're, if they're not in my pocket or on the spot where I keep my keys, I might, I, you know, every time it happens, I fear that I'm going to have to change the locks in the house, you know, because, uh, <laughs> Uh, God, no. that was good. Um, and but with air power, my uh, not air power with the the AirPods, my rule is uh, on my desk. That's the only that's the place where I typically charge them. Uh, on the kitchen counter where there's a lightning cable, or in my pocket, and that's it. Uh, and with the buds themselves, my rule is uh, other than when I like go jogging, when I would just take the buds. If I'm using my AirPods, I have the case in my pocket. And if I take them out of my ear and I need to put them anywhere, if I'm not just going to hold them, you know, like while I'm paying or talking to somebody or something, if I'm not in my hand, then I put them back in the case, right? Yeah. Like I'll never just throw the pods, the buds loose in my pocket. No. Um, but by having that habit, it's like they, 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 even like on an airplane flight or something like that, they, uh, they take, you know, they, they get enough of a charge that they never drop. If my, my AirPods are always in my case and they're always in my pocket, the right. only other place they are is charging. Yeah. So there is no other place that they'll be pocket or charging. And when they're charging, I notice that they're not in my pocket because right. I, I, I guess I just got used to feeling them there. Right. So then I take it back. Um, I don't like flying with them because they're not noise canceling. So I have like a pair of Bose noise canceling wireless headphones that I bought a, like six months ago, uh, which I really like. Uh, um, but I have flown with them because I've either forgotten my other headphones or uh, I flew with, I've flown with them before I bought these Bose quiet comfort, whatever the hell they're called. Um, 
But when I get up to pee on an airplane, if I'm wearing my AirPods, I, I take them out because if <laughs> the, you know, the idea of dropping one in that filthy air, airplane. Oh yeah bathroom let alone if it actually went into the toilet but any I, I if my airpod fell out of my ear and they never fall out of my ear they don't fall out of my ear it's not a problem but the idea that the one time they might fall out and they would touch any surface in the air, airplane bathroom i would yeah. I, I would have to throw them out i mean yeah. that's the, so, I, but just the nature of just putting them in the case for the ninety seconds it takes to get up and and go to the restroom in the airline means that you'd land on a cross country flight and they're still charged, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a and great then product. you get off the plane, you you know, you still have them in, and you're still listening to music, and yep. you know it's it's wonderful. I I just love them. It it's my favorite product right now. Yeah. All right, let me take a break here and thank our next sponsor. I'm very excited about this. This is a first-time sponsor of the show, and I think it is a fantastic idea for a podcast sponsorship. Um, not that there's anything wrong with advertising a podcast. I actually think that that was a great sponsorship, too, because you know who listens to podcasts? People who listen to podcasts. Um, all right, let's talk music. You spend countless days, maybe weeks, uh, for let's say you're working on a video project, maybe a promotional thing for an app or a service that you're working on. And you spend weeks searching through stock music libraries because you know that the right song could take your, make your make or break your video, right? You have cool video, but you have cool music on it with the right vibe, then it works. And if you have terrible music on it, it could wreck the whole thing. Well, haven't you noticed that in most libraries that of stock music, they sound like stock music, I think this is true. I notice it every time I watch like a YouTube video and I can tell when they're using stock music. It's exactly bad stock music is like bad stock photography. It just has a look to it. Like you just know you're looking at a stock photo Well, you know when you're listening to stock music. Well, here's the alternative. Alex Weinstein music. Now, this is a carefully curated collection of just a few hundred songs, not thousands and thousands of songs, which just makes it worse because you've got to dig through them. Just a few hundred songs, all from one composer, Alex Weinstein, and that's available for you to license. Alex has a unique, organic, and handmade style. Um, you're listening to it right now as I speak to you. Uh, his music has been used in commercials by Amazon, Starbucks, eBay, Disney, and others. Uh, 1Password, Wealthfront, established brands and startups alike all trust this composer, and the library is a joy to use. It has an elegant and intuitive search engine. You can preview tracks without irritating audio watermarks. And when you find something that works, you can purchase a license right in the browser and instantly download the files. Also, every song can be edited for your needs. So if you love a track, but you don't like the banjo or something, uh, you can contact Alex and his staff and they'll take it out and get you a custom cut of the song. And they'll do this free of charge. They'll edit the song so it fits perfectly and they'll do it free of charge. As a special offer to talk show listeners, use the coupon code THETALKSHOW at checkout for 25% off your first license. Um, so you can save 25% on your first license just by using that coupon code THETALKSHOW. Go to Alex Weinstein.com, A-L-E-X-W-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N, AlexWeinstein.com slash The Talk Show, and start listening. 
So the cool part, and this ties into the opening of the show, is Alex Weinstein uh, happens to be a longtime fan of the show. Hi, Alex. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for sponsoring. Uh, <laughs> and was the uh, composer, along with Adam Lisa Gore, of the uh, Pick and Boogers with John theme song. Very different style. That's a little bit over the top, obviously. Um, but I really enjoy that uh, the callback to like what, like a five or six year old <laughs> gag on the show. Now here he is sponsoring the show. Uh, can't recommend his music more. It's so great. Uh, I sent you yeah. a pic. It was you know, just sounds great. It doesn't it? It very distinctive, and just doesn't have that awful stock. You know, I spent fifteen seconds in Garage Band sound to it. Right. Very and cool and yeah, I'll agree. And and I listen to it with uh, headphones on, and it's got uh, a great feel on the the headphones. Great sound. Yeah, it's like so, it's yeah. like you know, it's serious stuff. This is like you know, it's, as high a production as high, as high production can get. See, John, if you want, I'll write a a song for you. It'd be a bit more metal, and <laughs> I would like that. I bet you could do a killer. You could probably do a killer version of Pick and Boogers with John. <laughs> Uh, I might have to give that a if shot. You, if you do that, we'll stick it in. We'll stick it on at the end of the show. There you go. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, do you see this story last week about this guy uh, with a damaged iMac Pro? He's a, a YouTuber named uh, I think it's Lucas Linus Sebastian, a very yeah. successful YouTuber, very popular YouTube channel. Uh, do you see this story? I did. So I, I think that this is a fair summary of it, uh, that he and his colleagues at his YouTube channel got an iMac Pro uh, to do a review of, and they did a teardown of it. They took it apart uh, to show the internals, uh, sort of, I guess, like iFixit style. And Except then, not as good. <laughs> well, and then in the course of putting it back together, they damaged the screen and Oh, by the way, also the logic board and something else. Um, and when they took it to get repaired, now they, you know, and, and to be clear, they, they obviously, you know, it's a new device, but they obviously realized that what they had done to it was out, not going to be covered by warranty coverage. So what they wanted is they wanted to give it to Apple, have it repaired and pay to tell us what it'll cost. And we will pay to, they will pay to, to have this fixed. Um, and ultimately, Apple t turned them down <laughs> and and did not want said, you know, because of the way that, you know, you guys have opened this up that we don't want to we, we don't want this. We don't, we're not even you can't even pay us to repair this thing. Um, and, you know, uh, so far to me, uh, you know, disappointing. I'd be, you know, it would be nice if Apple would fix it. But I kind of think a reasonable person, given, you know, what's going on here, can see why maybe they wouldn't. Um, but then they made this YouTube video that I think rather disingenuously uh, made it seem as though it, they, 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 they didn't emphasize the we took this thing apart and wrecked the internals <laughs> yeah. uh, aspect of it. And it was more we had a whoopsie with our iMac Pro. And guess what? Apple doesn't have any certified technicians who can fix iMac Pros. And it's like, what? You're spending six thousand dollars on a on a pro computer, and Apple doesn't even know how to fix it. And that's the story that like spread like wildfire. That you right. could, you could buy a six thousand dollar computer from Apple, and they don't know how to fix it if it goes bad. 
Well, uh, it was interesting because the morning that this, uh, before it, it all blew up, uh, Dave Mark sent me a link to the video and said, what do you think about this? Should we uh, post it? And I, I watched it, and as soon as he started, I uh, texted Dave back and said, don't post it. There's something funky going on here. This is not what it seems. Yeah. Renee had a good and, video about it. Yeah. And we, we didn't post it. Um, but we did post, I think, one of the follow-ups. Uh, right. Because, as it turns out, there was something more. Um, but uh, to be honest, if I was Apple, I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't have touched it at all. Because as soon as you fix it and send it back to them, if anything else goes wrong, then right. it's still under warranty. Right. No way am I touching that. If you look, I think you had uh, the best line in car terms. Apple was saying his iMac is totaled, right? And that's exactly right. The car is totaled. The insurance company doesn't want to have anything to do with it. Nobody's going to fix it for you. It's done because nobody wants to to take that responsibility. Yeah, and somebody and even I, said I, with, I agree with them. With the electrical problems that it was having, having it, you could really understand, you know, and, and, you know, Apple's certified techs are professional. And I'm sure they, you know, know how to ground themselves and, and do everything right when working with these things. But if it's already damaged, I could see why they don't, they don't want to risk having somebody go in there and, you know, you know, possibly get electrocuted or something. I don't know. And I also wonder if part of it, I, I feel like the only thing Apple's done wrong here is not communicate clearly to the guy like, hey, we're sorry, but it's totaled. You know, like, because if your car is totaled, if you're in a car accident and you're like, uh, you like, don't know if it's going to be repairable or not, you you know, and, and the, the mechanic will just tell you, you know, this is totaled, right? I guess you have to work it out with your insurance company, but they'll just say, you know, well, we're not going to, you know, we'll just give you the money because it, this isn't worth it to fix it. Yeah, but let's be honest. We don't know what Apple communicated to him. No, we. I, they, I don't. And I don't take. I don't believe. I don't believe his word on what they said to him. I know exactly. he, he quotes from some emails where people are, conf, you know, that that people are confused. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like they're informed about it. Apple could have very easily sent him a thing, and he's just trying to put pressure on them. And you know, obviously, people picked it up. But um, Apple could have sent him a note and said, "Look." There's no way that we're going to touch this because you're a moron and you wreck the computer right. and we're not going to be responsible for it. Right. Like, I'm sure they know how much a display costs. Like, if you if the only problem is that the display was cracked, um, I'm sure Apple can just quote you the, you know, it'll cost, I don't know, probably eight, nine hundred dollars to get a new display or whatever it costs. Um, but they also have to, like, test everything else. Right, you know, to see if there's any, if there are any other problems, so they can't just as you drop it off at the Genius Bar, they can't guarantee. I don't think, at least that's my experience. Like uh, my son uh, dropped his MacBook Pro, uh, like around, I think it was over the holidays, like back in Christmas, um, and he's usually very careful with his devices, and he has a you know years long track record of of you know keeping every you know really 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 good with his devices. Um, you know, accidents happen. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't in any trouble, but, uh, when we took it to get, so it, that, you know, but it was cracked in a way that it was unusable. Um, yeah. uh, so we took it and 
it, I kind of suspected the whole top would have to be replaced because he kind of like the the aluminum around the display was dented too. Um, you know, but we had to drop it off and let them have it for a couple of days before they would tell us how much it costs because it's not just that part. It's, you know, they had to test the logic board, et cetera. You know, it turned out all we needed was the new top piece, you know, just the whole thing with the display and the aluminum and the Apple logo in the back. Um, but you don't know that in advance. And if all this other right. stuff, if you've taken apart the whole thing, I don't th how are they, how would they, how much work would they have to do before they could even tell this guy how much it would cost to fix his iMac pro? Well, and he would bring it in in pieces. <laughs> you know? <laughs> No, I wouldn't do it. I, I'm sorry, I wouldn't do it. This, do you, do you ever watch the Jackass movies? Yeah, oh, I I have a real. I'm ashamed to admit it. How much I how many how much I love the Jackass movies and how many times I've watched them all. <laughs> but there's the gag. I think it's in the first Jackass movie where Johnny Knoxville goes into a, a rental car place and rents a car and declines their insurance. And then he literally drives it in a demolition derby. <laughs> <laughs> and then drives it back to the lot. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just absolutely hilarious. That's, to me, you know, what this IMAX story, it's like you said, like, it's almost like he brings the IMAX in like a sack full of pieces. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it's like here, fix this. No, would you? Would you have fixed it? Do you think Apple should have fixed it? I don't know. I I guess I'd have to. You know, I, I don't know enough about uh, about how to. You know, what's going on inside an iMac Pro to know how much work it would be to evaluate. You know, how much there is. I can, but, I, but I, and I'd, uh, I'd have to. So, I but I can imagine, given that they took the whole thing apart. And that they have so many problems that they already know about. I could imagine that it's in a state where I would I would reasonably say no. I, I decline to fix this. I think you know you're going to have to just buy a new buy a new machine. Think about what would happen if they did fix it, and there was something else that you know was wrong in there that they didn't pick up, and then you have to go back and fix that. And you know how how long do these repairs go on through no fault of Apple or the the Apple certified um, technicians or whoever fixes it, you know that could be going on for years. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's so just, just a I weird would, story. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're you're done. Get out, get out, get out, get the hell out of here. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't even have to say a word to him. I'd just look at him. He'd Damn. know to get out. You should you should take, you, that, take uh, that bag of parts with you. <laughs> yeah, you should you should get a job doing part time uh, genius bar work. You, your customer service would be outstanding. It'd be outstanding. <laughs> Wait, I, I'll tell you, I offered like Daniel Jalkett if he wanted, I'd do uh, support emails for him. I said you, you'll have nobody emailing you within a month. <laughs> uh, Daniel Jalkett, Red Sweater Software fame. Yes. Uh, Yes, I I offered him that, you know that he he declined, but I said you know you wouldn't have to worry about it. I have a way with people. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, hey, let me take the third and final break here and thank our our third sponsor. And it's uh, after two first time sponsors, we have a sponsor who I I seem to recall having before, but it's been a while. Uh, it's our friends at Squarespace. 
Squarespace uh, will let you as is all in one. Everything you need to have a website, Squarespace can do for you. From domain name registration to picking a template to picking components like online store to doing the actual commerce of taking credit cards and, and selling things on a store uh, to hosting a podcast, hosting a blog, hosting your portfolio if you're like a designer. You name it, you can do it at Squarespace. And it's just a tremendous way, a tremendously easy way to have everything handled at one place for one price. Uh, and their templates are so amazing and so customizable. So your site will look 100% professionally designed, regardless of your skill level. There's no coding required at all. You can do the whole thing WYSIWYG if you want. And if you do have coding skills, you can get in there and do as much as you want with the CSS or JavaScript, etc. Um, intuitive, easy-to-use tools, though, for, uh, I'm sure, 99% of Squarespace customers just stick with the WYSIWYG stuff. Uh, and they have a great deal if you sign up for a year or longer up front, you get a free domain name registration. So you don't even have to pay for the domain name if you pay for a year up front. Uh, start building your website today at squarespace.com. And just remember this offer code, talk show, no the, just talk show at checkout, and you will save 10% off your first purchase. Uh, you can go to squarespace.com slash talk show. And that code, just remember it, talk show, uh, you'll save 10%. And you get a free trial. Remember that. You can use it for like 30 days free without paying a nickel before you uh, cough up the dough. Uh, my thanks to Squarespace. What else do we got? I guess the only other thing I really wanted to talk about uh, was this chat. Google announced a, a, a new thing. I don't know how long this was in the works. It's the first I heard of it. Uh, yeah, they call it RC, RCS, but they're just calling it chat. And they're proposing it as a successor to sms uh unencrypted though i that's the to me that's the deal breaker i i, I in today's yeah. day and you know talk about the way that the world the ways the world has changed in 10 years you know it, it's often in i know it's i think bill gates said it somebody else did but it's you know it's repeated often enough that who even knows who came up with it first but that in technology we constantly overestimate how much we can get done in a year and constantly underestimate how much change will happen in 10 years right <laughs> yeah and that is so yeah, it's always been true like you know it, it was any of our computing landscape all that different one year ago from today not really you know uh but 10 years ago man and it's like you know 10 years ago you know and longer you know everything just went out over the you know internet in plain text i mean it's it, you know it just was what it was. We just, you know, as a whole, we were short-sighted. And, and, you know, and I think it's natural. I think if there's alien civilizations out there, it's probably true that when they get around to making their version of the Internet, that it starts out unencrypted <laughs> at first and then gets encrypted because, you know, doing encryption is harder than not doing encryption. And so you do the easy thing first. But then you run into problems, um, you know, everything from crime to protecting yourself from, uh, you know, government snooping to, uh, you know, just any privacy, of the pri privacy, right. It not yeah. just secure, not just security, security. But privacy. Yeah. Um, everything. Right. I just can't. Uh, I, so like, 
I understand. I can imagine why SMS, the original SMS, is not encrypted. Um, but in 2018, for the successor to it to not be end-to-end -end encrypted, to me, it's like a deal breaker. It's like, why would you? Yeah. Why support something new and encourage people to? Hey, here's this great new thing with with a really serious. <laughs> problem <laughs> insofar as that it's not encrypted at all it's just as you know any so anybody at the phone company or whatever you know you're there's uh, i don't why know. do you think they're doing this why why well, would you recommend a, a, an absolutely unencrypted type of sms uh, so why isn't it encrypted is the question. Like, why is Google pushing this thing? Put the encryption issue aside, right? Why is Google okay. pushing this new technology? Um, the exclusive story they gave went to uh, Dieter Bone at The Verge. Uh, it's a good story. I will I will put it in the, in the show notes. Um, but the gist of it, it was largely framed uh, in comparison to iMessage. Right. And I don't know how much of that was Dieter framing it that way and how much of it was that's the story he was told by Google as they, you know, gave him the briefing and, and this exclusive first take on it. Um, but it certainly makes sense that it's on Google's mind. Right. That they And they've been trying to it's almost comical how many times Google has come out with some kind of chat like product. Right. And yeah. it hasn't taken. Um and they even, you know, it's almost, it, you know, it's, it's almost embarrassing how, how, how many times they've done it, including like, I guess it was two years ago when they came out with this aloe, which was even, even, I remember watching the keynote at their IO conference where it was like, okay, we've tried a lot of things with chat before, but now we've got it. <laughs> right. Apparently uh, not. But I get why iMessage is a problem for Android because iMessage, it's, you know, has things that SMS doesn't have and it's nice to have them. And when people see it, they think, well, I wish I had something like that. Um, it does group chats better than SMS. It has the read receipts and the delivered receipts, uh, the little dot, dot, dot typing indicator, uh, which is, I, it, it sounds like a little thing, but that's, it's, it's, I was, I've been thinking about it ever since the story came out and noticing when I'm chatting with people, including you today, setting up, you know, when to record the show, it's such a nice thing, uh, to have that dot, dot, dot. Right. And it's like, yeah. uh, I know, you know, uh, Jim's answering me what time is good to record, you know? And I, I know, Hey, I'll just wait. I'm not, I won't put the phone away. I'll wait because you know, he's typing something. Um, so I guess this RCS protocol has all of these things, uh, so I get why they're pushing it on those things, but why isn't it encrypted? I don't know. I, I, I wonder because this is the part of the, and it, I, I wouldn't bet on this thing ever taking off, frankly, because it, it, and they've signed up, they've announced it. Google's announced it and they have a, a slide with, you know, a hundred different carriers from around the world who've sworn that they're going to adopt this. But, you know, getting someone at Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile and all these other carriers around the country to say, yes, we will support this here. You can use our logo when you announce it. It's very different than actually getting them to support it, right? right. <laughs> it's easy to say, sure, I'll do it. And it's a lot of work to actually implement it. Um, but because but nobody it, with an iPhone will use it. Well, that's a we can hold shelve that because then we you know we'll come back to 
let's say okay. this does happen and carriers do support it, would Apple support it in iOS? Let's hold that for now. I, I wonder if technically, and I've been looking for it and I haven't seen anybody answer it, uh, if, if it's like impossible for something that's carrier-based like this to be end-to-end encrypted. Like maybe there's mm. a technical reason that, that you know, you know, and it, because it crosses carrier boundaries, like, do you need to have a central authority to, you know, like when you use like uh, iMessage, it's all, go, it all goes through Apple's servers and Apple, you know, manages the, you know, the, the keys that you use. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a technical reason that it couldn't be end to end encrypted. But it, the other thing is it doesn't seem to be encrypted at all. Like, that's what I, I kind of don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand why, even if it's not end-to-end encrypted, why isn't it at least encrypted uh, in some way? I mean, end-to-end encrypted, I, I, I'm not an expert on this encryption stuff, but basically end-to-end right. encrypted means that when I text, send an iMessage to you, as it leaves my phone, it is encrypted with you know my public key and your private key and it leaves my phone and until it gets to your phone it's not decrypted and so there's literally and there there is no mathematical way there's no well i I suppose there's a mathematical way where you could uh, you know take a trillion years to you know try every combination you know to decrypt it um but there's no point where Apple has the unencrypted text of the message. It's, you know, uh, like it, and that's, that's the way you want it. Right. So if, if, you know, the FBI comes to Apple and wants to know what Jim Dalrymple and Gruber were talking about on April 25th, Apple has, I guess, can tell them that we did text each other, but they can't, there's no way there is no version of the text that they can show them. That's a good design. It would, would they be, even know that. I don't know. I think so. I think that they have to have the metadata on, I don't know how long they keep it, but I think that they do know Hmm. because it does go through Apple's servers. Hmm. Um, But I thought all of that, even going, that was anonymous. uh, I don't think so. How could it be? They have to. Because couldn't they say, well, did, you know, in some criminal case, did he... I suppose you'd still need it, but yeah. I don't know. I I, just, I I didn't even think that they would be able to to tell that. Right. But a different design for a chat, and I, this would be a bad design. But a different design would be a design where uh, my phone it leaves the message leaves my phone encrypted. It goes to Apple's server and gets decrypted, and then they re-encrypt it and send it to you. And that there's you know. Um, uh, that that still would be better than nothing. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's actually not better than nothing, though. I've been thinking about it. Maybe actually, like a, a you know, encryption that's not end to end is worse than not having encryption because it creates the false sense that you have something protecting you and you shouldn't. Yeah, I I just can't see how they can back a technology that isn't end to end encrypted. Not these days. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, you know, and it, but, you know, trying to play devil's advocate here. 
So I, I okay. think it's a non-starter. If I were at Apple, I would not want to touch this new thing. I mean, we have SMS because it's a legacy thing and we need to support it, but I wouldn't want to get into a new thing that's not end-to-end encrypted. Um, but, you know, is, is that – would that be perceived, though, as being spiteful, like protective of iMessage compared to this new thing? Or would it be, again, protecting – uh, people's privacy and security, right? By not creating an illusion, you know that that this new thing is anything but, you know, insecure. Right. I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Let, let's just assume that this goes through and the carriers adopt it. I wouldn't be a bit surprised for Apple to come out and say we're not going to support it because it's wide open and dangerous or potentially you know, written, fraught with problems or I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them say something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for Apple to support this in iOS. Not unless they, they, you know, tighten it down some. Yeah. And I don't I mean, it's just, it's just wide open. And I don't think that they need to be protective of it. I think if there was a good encryption story to go along with this new protocol, I think I would bet that Apple would support it. Like, I don't think yeah, Apple needs to be overly protective of iMessage. Uh, nope. it, you know, uh, and I think it, it, I don't think it would stop people from using it. You know, iMessage that is, it's not like I no, would switch. I, I, but it would be nice switch in, in theory, though, it would be nice that when somebody who has an Android phone texts me, it'd be nice to get some of the features, you know, that iMessage has. But yeah, I, I wouldn't use it. Um, yeah, I don't expect Apple to do it. Isn't it weird? I, I think iMessage, I've been meaning to write about this, uh, but it's almost too. It's maybe it's a better podcast topic because it's it's not quite a cohesive idea, but I can't help but think this idea that this article really rejiggered it in my head. I've I've come back to it every couple months for a while, but I feel like iMessage is uh, it's pervasive amongst those of us who have Apple devices and amongst my friends and family. Uh, it, it's like by far and away the number one way that we communicate. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, and it's like me and you, it's the only way we communicate other than when we're <laughs> recording a podcast, <laughs> like, yeah. and when we're face to face, like at an Apple event, other than that, I mean, it's all iMessage. When's the last time you or I emailed each other? I, I don't know if you emailed me, I oh. didn't see it. <laughs> Wow, it was. It must be years since right. we emailed. I mean, even even if we're going to chat on the phone, right? We set up an uh, iMessage we'll, first. Yeah, we'll usually right. text each other and right. say, "Hey, you got a minute?" Yeah, and then you'll call or I'll call right. or whatever. But it's all based yeah. in in iMessage. Yeah, uh, it's it's. But I feel like even though it's everywhere, and I feel like it's really reliable. And I know every once in a while messages come out of sync and, and I still see it once in a while. Like if I don't use my iPad for over a week and then I turn it on it, it, you know, iMessages start coming in funny, you know, or I'll get yeah. notifications for ones that I shouldn't be getting notifications of because they're old, but it's like, I suspect what's happened is that those notifications are queued up, you know, that they've, they've been there waiting to <laughs> waiting to make a noise. <laughs> I've been waiting all week to, t- 
to ping you. <laughs> um, but I feel like all of those things have gotten better, and it's it, like it's super reliable. It's super fast. It's everything Apple uh, people say Apple can't do. It's you know super reliable, fast online service. Uh, it handles. I, I looked this up. They haven't announced numbers in a long time. Um, like years ago, they would say like how many, many, many years ago, like they would say how many iMessages they sent in a day or something, but they haven't released any numbers like that in years. So I don't, it's, it's not worth using the old numbers. And the only one I saw that was more recent was like in 2016, Eddie Q said that at its peak, the, the highest peak that they had reached was 200,000 iMessages per second. Now, obviously, that's a peak. That's not – you can't just multiply by how many seconds are in a day to figure out how many they, the iMessages they handle a day. Um, yeah. But the funny thing about that is I was Googling it. I got it from a Business Insider article, and I was like, huh, that's interesting, but it rings a bell. And then at the bottom of the article, it said that uh, Q <laughs> revealed this information on John Gruber's The Talk, <laughs> the talk Show. Uh, yeah. And I, <laughs> I thought that was funny. I thought that was funny that I've done some research and discovered something that I was told <laughs> on my own podcast. <laughs> you were probably online shopping for keyboards at that point. Too. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, and I know that Apple can't it, it sell iMessage. It's not like they're, you know, number one, they don't need the cash last I heard, but it's, you know, they can't effectively spin it off into an independent company. Uh, it, it you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's integrated into the whole iCloud identity and experience. Um, but like when you see like a, something like WhatsApp selling, you know, for $20 billion, like, I, like again, it's not like they can sell iMessage, but I think it has to be considered like a twenty billion dollar asset to the company. Yeah. Like, yeah. and if they did release like the number of active users uh, and how many messages a day they send, I can't help but suspect that those numbers would be just staggering. Well, even at a, a, a at a peak at two hundred thousand per second. Second. What, what have they said? Didn't they release how many active devices? Do they have? Is there? Are there a billion active Apple devices? Yeah, I believe it's. Yeah, it's over a billion now. Yeah, I think last year they announced that there's a billion Apple devices in active use. But that's really, really, really hard to extrapolate how many iMessage users there might be from that. Yeah, like yeah, you can't. I'm gonna I'm gonna say though that that. Uh, I would guess at least 99% of those people do use iMessage, right? I mean, it's like who, who has an Apple product and doesn't use iMessage at all? I mean, yeah. probably the most likely would be somebody who uses like a, a Mac and doesn't have any of the other devices. Like I could see if you're just like a, depending on your job, you know, you might, you know, use a Mac because you need a, a, a Mac, but that you're not into the whole iCloud thing. Uh, whereas like iPhone and iPad users, I just can't see how, who, who doesn't use iMessage. But if well, with a billion devices, I mean, like how many, I mean, Christ, I must have 20 of them myself. Like it's not a one-to-one, -one, you know? I mean, I've got, oh. I'm, I'm using three of them right now. I've got the watch, I've got my phone in my pocket and a MacBook I'm, I'm talking to you through. Um, my 90 year old grandmother, I messaged me last night. You know, she she has an iPad. She uses message. So I, 
Yeah, you know what's funny? My mom I messages me now too, and uh, you know she's not ninety, but uh, you know not not technically adept. Uh, my dad too. My mom and dad both I message me, and they've been using email since I don't know ninety nineteen ninety seven or something. You know, uh, they're way better at iMessage than email. You know, yeah. it it's and, and I think they're more. It's just it's just a more natural way to communicate. Uh, you you want to here's here's something funny my my mother and i uh i message all the time you know we're, we're just that's how we communicate because she's back in canada so they're actually here right now and we're looking at my father's phone and you know he doesn't get any texts or any calls or anything on his phone well, he turned on "Do Not Disturb," <laughs> so, <laughs> and we said, "She said, she said, did you know you had Do Not Disturb on?" And he's, "What, really? <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that he did on his phone. He now he plays uh, like solitaire and stuff on his phone, right. but uh, and Scrabble or something, but." He turned on Do Not Disturb, so he gets nothing. It was hilarious just to look at his face like, oh, shit, you found it. <laughs> uh, so, just ballpark, yeah. though. How many, how many active iMessage users do you think there are, given that there's a billion devices? Oh, my God. I, I would have to think that it's most. I, I, well, but how many people, though? I, I, I'm going to just... Oh, I'm gonna oh say, a billion devices. I'm going to say 200, uh, 250 million people? I, oh, I think there's probably more than that. Right? Because then that would be like four devices per person, and that's probably more than typical. Like, Because yeah. there's got to be... There have to be uh, tens and tens, if not 100 million people, who only have one Apple device, and it's an iPhone. Right. No, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. People who don't yeah. want to don't want a Mac and don't don't want an iPad or can't afford both and you know have no interest in the Apple Watch. You know, there have to be. You know, I don't know, three hundred million, four hundred million. It's got to be a big That's number. A, now I know Facebook. Yeah, Facebook says they have like two billion users, but and you know it's not going to be a number that big. But I I think by I, I don't know. I just can't help but think that iMessage is in that ballpark, at least, right? For I would go somewhere bet between three and four hundred million, right? And you know, probably, you know, uh, who knows how many messages a, a day? It's crazy. I don't crazy. know. I, I kind of, uh, you know, if anybody at Apple is listening and you're planning a WWDC keynote, I. <laughs> I would love a little segment, like an update on iMessage, and tell yeah. me, tell us how, <laughs> tell us how many users there are and how many messages you handle a day. I would just like to know how many messages they handle a day. Yeah, the users, yeah, that's that's cool, but I want I want to boggle the mind, right, of how many messages are handled a day. Yeah, it's got to be crazy. Two hundred thousand a second is nuts if you think about it. Like. I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, it makes the idea of, of architecting a system that would handle 200,000 messages per second or be able to do that. And that's it, like a two year old number, I believe. So it's surely yes. they've reached a, a much higher peak since then. Uh, Maybe 200,000 is the average now. It makes me feel as though my understanding of how computers work is at the level of a two tin cans and a piece of string. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I, I don't disagree. 
Yeah. And I, but nobody really talks about it until, you know, and nobody really talks about how the, the, the grand success that iMessage is until, uh, a, a purported iMessage killer comes up. <laughs> like the only time anybody ever message messages or yeah. mentions it is when, but, you know, iMessage is, is such an integral part of how we communicate now. So we kind of take it for granted, right? It's easy you know, to take like, for granted. Yeah, because it's just there and it always works. Yeah. So, you know, if I need to get a hold of you, the first thing I'm going to do is just, you know, go into messages and, and uh, you know, just give you a quick ping. And that's that's how it works. It's also kind of a neat success story about the Apple way of doing things and this sort of uh, – asking forgiveness instead of it afterwards, instead of asking for permission, the way that they piggybacked on SMS on the iPhone, right? Because mm. it was, I don't know, a couple of years into the iPhone when they announced it. And uh, I, it's such a clever way that you don't by you know, and I, I if it was another company that you didn't trust, you might say devious, but I think people do trust it and you can turn it off. You know what I mean? It's not hard to turn off iMessage and only use no. SMS. Uh, it's, you know, it, any anybody who's ever used the settings app to change anything could find that if they want to. It's not too hard. It's not buried. Right. It's not like they use obtuse language. No, um, no it's right there. But it's really clever the way that they turned it on by default. And if you just, all you do is get a new phone or update your phone to the new OS. And all of a sudden, if you're communicating to another person who's also using iMessage, your message will be blue instead of green automatically. And I don't feel like they get enough credit for how, how, you know, how, how, and it's almost like that's what it was so it's so seamless that that's almost why people don't give them credit. Cause it's like, we did, you didn't even notice it. Really. Yep. But that's how they do a lot of this stuff. It's just so easy and so integrated into uh, the operating system and how we use the device. You know, it, it, of course it's there. Right. That's what you expect. All right. And, and, you know, just circling back on the encryption thing. Uh, I've told this story you know, many times, but it's, uh, you know, many, many years ago, I was speaking to somebody at Apple who was there for it. And I guess it was jobs himself because Steve jobs was still there, but that the message came down from on high that we, you know, we should do this messaging thing. Um, and rule one is design it, you know, like from the point where it was just a, a, blank sheet of paper in front of the engineers who were working on it. You know, rule one is let's architect this from the ground up so that we can never see the contents of an iMessage so that if law enforcement in any country around the world comes to us and says, show us, you know, these messages, we can look them right in the eye and say, we, we can't not, we won't, but we can't, uh, is it, I mean, what a great thing, you know, how much of our communications now are securely encrypted uh, end to end that wouldn't have been, if not for iMessage, it's tremendous. Like email, yeah. there's ways to do encryption in email, but it's such a pain in the ass, uh, that nobody I know uses it regularly. No, you know? me neither. Uh, but that's why something like, uh, what Google is, is, uh, presenting here stands out right. so much because it's not right. 
And in 2018, it just, it it just, it's almost like, and and when iMessage came out, the encryption angle wasn't a big part of the story. They definitely mentioned it. And maybe that's just me personally not being as privacy minded then as I am now. Maybe they were trying to get my attention to it, but I I just didn't notice or pick up on it. Um, But that's, you know... uh, I, I, it's one way that I think Apple was forward thinking on this. I think that Apple kind of had their their come to Jesus wake up moment at some point mm-hmm. in you know around twelve years ago, um, you know twelve thirteen years ago, where they sort of looked at everything they were doing and you know you know cause it's almost comical how how little encryption there was on on some of the stuff. You know, like the way that the original iPhone you could <laughs> just plug it into any computer and go into iTunes and look inside it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. But like, it was all so new then. Right. And, it, you know, and who really thought that you needed to encrypt your phone, you know? I mean, if if we were still be able to do that now, that might be a problem. <laughs> you know how, like, there's these, these things now, like, there's uh, these services where uh, there's, like, an Israeli company and, like, law enforcement can buy, like, a $20,000 device that they say can get you into an iPhone. Um there's a couple of these, but they're very expensive. Um, you know, it's just comical to think that, like, hey, when the iPhone first came out, the thing that could let the cops into your phone was called iTunes, right? <laughs> <laughs> iTunes and a thirty pin, thirty uh, pin uh, USB connector, and you, anybody could get into any phone. It was crazy. Well, I mean, that's what it was, and. Look where we are now. Right. It's, I mean, they, I, I, I appreciate Apple's stance on encryption and privacy and, and everything else. Would you, I mean, think I, to me, the, it's, it's one last thing on this chat service, this new chat protocol not being encrypted and why it sticks out to me. It, to me, it would be like if somebody came out with a new phone, you know, like uh, the Essential phone from Andy Rubin's company came out and there was no encryption on the phone, you know, like... You just you're right. put your thumb on a button and you're in. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, that's the way they used to work, but it's, you know, uh, <laughs> it is not the way that they would work today. No. And it can't. And, and again, this is why um, uh, this thing from Google sticks out so badly. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, you're looking at it saying, really? And you and the thing that it, it, I find irritating is you know that they know better, right? The people who were working on this at exactly, Google, yeah. they they know, you know. I anyway, if anybody out there can explain, if if they know, if it's other than, you know, maybe the carriers don't want it. I wonder if it's political. Like, do the carriers like the fact that they can see your text messages? You know. And yeah, that, but I, I mean, the the carriers didn't like a lot of what Apple did either, and they no. did it anyway. No, so. but that's the difference between Apple and <clears throat> Google and Android, right? The carriers still have a ton of say over what's on Android, you know, or yeah, at least on the ones that they right. that the phones that they sell themselves. Like when you go to Verizon and buy an Android phone that has a Verizon logo on the phone, you know, Verizon has all sorts of stuff in there and all sorts of say about what's in there. Like I don't think those phones ship with 90, I'm 99% sure they don't ship with the Allo app, right? Like you buy the Google Pixel and you get stuff like that, but uh, 
I don't know. I can't help but wonder if it's technical or if it's lazy or if it's political, like, or if there's too many, maybe it's not even a U.S. thing, but to get this to be a worldwide standard, there's too many carriers around the world who, for political reasons, don't want these messages encrypted. Uh, yeah. And then to get well, everybody maybe. on, you know, to get everybody on the same page, it's, you know, it, but regardless, it, it shows the, the advantages and again there might be there's disadvantages too but uh, you know there are advantages to apple's ability to do the whole things themselves and just say here's what's going to happen in september when this new version of ios comes out all all of your texts when you send them to other iphone users will be over iMessage instead of sms and they'll be end-to-end encrypted and that's it (laughs) perfect anything look how it worked out yeah anything else you wanted to talk about this week (laughs) <laughs> um no no i i i thought that was that was great yeah uh everybody can read your fine work and the work of your uh colleagues dave and sean king dave dave mark who you mentioned before i should mention and sean king over at uh, loopinsight.com the loop and uh and then on twitter they can get their fill of dalrymple what's your twitter handle j dalrymple yeah there you go uh, Jim, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I'll see you soon, right? We'll be at WWDC before we know it. Do you have uh, you're, yeah. you're doing a party this this year? I I am doing a party this year. Yes, it's uh, it's at um, the Ritz uh, Club and right right around the corner from um where WWDC has held the convention center. Right around the corner from everything's that. <laughs> everything uh, in San Jose is right around the corner from the convention center. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So um, yeah, it's going to be fun. What night? What night is that going to be? Monday. Monday night. That's going to be the Monday uh, night. The beard bash. Uh, well, yeah. I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm, um, yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do a podcast there. Maybe we'll get into that uh, podcast layer again. Remember last oh, year? My, that was so much fun. What well, we we drank like case of Heineken. You and I and Matt Trance. Well, doing a podcast. I did. I did. I availed myself of the the complimentary Heinekens. I I will admit, and I did enjoy them. But I would have to say the we that drank the whole case during the course of the show was largely you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not my fault. You guys drink slow. Yeah, once I mean, you get going, it is really something to see. I remember because that's it's fun too because we could look at each other and. Uh, uh, I'm on these. Uh, the, there's a new podcast called The Menu Bar. Have you heard of it, Zach Sitchi? And uh, uh, I'm going to be the guest on the next episode. Uh, and I was telling Zach when I recorded the other day that, uh, boy, I, I I don't record many episodes out of you know. I think this is ep- you 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 right now, Jim, are, are episode 220 of this incarnation of the talk show. I've only done a handful of these over the years that weren't done over Skype. Um, but when, when you do do one in person, you could see it's so much, there's eye contact and little bits of body English that can really make the conversation flow. And I just, Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I just remember last year in that pound, that, that podcast studio that Apple provides to podcasters inside uh, WWDC, I remember looking at looking at Drance when you were popping like Heineken six, and I was just like, <laughs> and I didn't have to say anything, but it was just like, uh, it's like uh, it really is like drinking water for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like drinking it was so much fun drinking water at the end of a of a, a race through the desert. 
After a while, I just stopped offering to get you guys one. I just went and got them myself. I should double check about that and maybe schedule it. I actually have, I forgot entirely about that, but uh, do you, yeah. I don't even know. I'm, I'm guessing they'll bring that back. I think that they considered that podcast thing a big success. Uh, don't know. Yeah. But I plan on recording one for uh, uh, for mine. Oh, week, such so. a nice setup. Anyway, I'll, I'll see you yeah. there. Um, looking forward to it. And uh, I, as always, I greatly appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Jim. Love it. Always, always. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Sean.